This episode of Faith and Family Radio is a re-air of episode 114. We wanted to re-air this episode in companion with number 357 to show how Proverbs 31 is a positive counterpart to Sirach 25 and 26. Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family, and welcome to our final installment in our teaching series in the book of Proverbs, looking at that ancient wisdom for modern families, practical wisdom that we can apply in our lives. And particularly, we're winding up this teaching series in the book of Proverbs by looking at courtship and marriage. And last time I identified a key problem going on right within our church and our wider culture, and that is the plunging marriage rate. Young people are just avoiding marriage for a variety of reasons, but in the Catholic Church, just in the last dozen years, the number of weddings has dropped by 40% while at the same time the number of Catholics in the United States has increased. This is not a good sign. But our task, the question we want to ask ourselves, is how can we promote a positive marriage culture among young Catholic adults? And last time I mentioned, obviously you want to start early. Uh, It's a huge mistake if you think, well, we have young children, we got years to wait on that. No, those are the years to sow seeds, positive seeds, and then you keep it up. But rather than intensifying as they get older, in a certain sense, you just it's more of a maintenance of what you've already established when your children were younger. But today's young adults have the lowest rates of marriage in any previous generation. And I repeat, what they need Besides the stern warnings that are certainly here in the book of Proverbs, and we haven't glanced over them, but what they need in addition to those stern warnings is positive encouragement that will build a marriage culture. And last time we ended where we're going to begin today, we're going to be looking today at Proverbs 5 and a father promoting that positive view of marriage to his son. And then we're going to look at Proverbs 31, how a mother uh, is encouraging a positive view of marriage to her son. And we're, I'm without shame, I really think the question we need to ask, besides how do we promote this positive marriage culture among Catholic young adults, especially the guys need to hear this. Uh, young Catholic women in large numbers and large percentages will tell you the young guys really do need to hear this. So here we go. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 5. And I mentioned Proverbs 5 is like a, um, a marriage and courtship sandwich, so to speak. The first half of the chapter is a warning about immorality basically messing up your life in time and in eternity. Okay. And then in the center of the chapter, you have a real golden nugget, a positive view of marriage. And then it ends with just a few verses, basically with another warning. So it's kind of this, this uh, I'd say, courtship marriage sandwich, so to speak. But I'd like to go to the middle of this chapter, starting with verse 15. And I need to tell you, 
This is like anything else, unlike anything else in the entire book of Proverbs. Um, this is very unique passage. Um, very often, well, I shouldn't say very often, seldom will you ever hear this passage <laughs> preached on. And yet, I think it's important. And this passage is very much like the entire book of the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs in the Bible. Let me go ahead and read it to you, starting in verse 15 of Proverbs 5, a father giving positive marriage encouragement to his son. He says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Now, Israel is, and the whole Middle East is a dry land. One side of the mountains is, in fact, a desert. And so having a cistern, having water is a blessing. And just point blank, these are metaphorical expressions for marital love. He's saying, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. In other words, your sexual urges are to be directed towards marital love and nowhere else. And then he says, verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely hind, a graceful doe. Let her af affection fill you at all times with delight. Be infatuated always with her love. Now, I need to tell you, I'm using the Revised Standard Version, which is a great translation for Catholics, the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. But I have to tell you, uh, it's not being very close to the Hebrew here. And since uh, I have to assume children are listening, I'm not even going to tell you what the Hebrew says. But I will tell you, if you have a Jerusalem Bible handy or an old King James Version, it's literal. Um, it's talking about the intimacy of marital love. And it's saying, let this uh, affection fill you at all times with delight. You see, uh, it's very possible to try to convey the vision of morality in today's world by going, no, 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 no. And at and then and then we see the culture just plunge further in sexual morality. So we add some more no 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 no, and and then we wonder why are young people walking away from this message? The message of the Bible is both no and yes, and the big yes in the book of Proverbs I just read to you, the positive delights. And he says, be infatuated uh, with your wife's love. And this word infatuated, it's almost uh, like the word intoxicated. In other words, be overwhelmed with the positive thing. And see, the Bible has both. And as I mentioned, this is very similar to the Song of Solomon, which Jewish boys were not allowed to read. I couldn't quite nail down till when. Some said till after bar mitzvah. Some said even into their 20s or later. I'm not sure which. but uh, And it's not X-rated um, or R-rated, but it's 
in the Jewish mind, M-rated. It's for mature audiences, but it's basically when the sexual drive is there, it's saying this is where it goes. It's wonderful. It's pleasurable. It's joyful. And it's a good thing. And all of this, if you look at all the Proverbs saying about marital life, is a good thing from God. And just so I don't get in any trouble, I'm just going to summarize what this passage says with a paragraph straight out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church talking about the exact same thing this father is sharing with his son. And this comes from section 2362 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I quote, The acts in marriage by which the intimate and chaste union of the spouses takes place are noble and honorable. Sexuality is a source of joy and pleasure. The Creator Himself established that in the generative function, spouses should experience pleasure and enjoyment of body and spirit. Therefore, the spouses do nothing evil in seeking this pleasure and enjoyment. They accept what the Creator has intended for them, At the same time, spouses should know how to keep themselves within the limits of just moderation. So well said. And if I can get another summary, and this one even shorter, from that Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on the book of Proverbs, which I have recommended that Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, great, great summary, one sentence, and it's this, quote, fanning the flames of marital love can strengthen a couple's relationship and provide a safeguard against temptations to infidelity, unquote. So that's a great thing. There's nothing like this in the entire book of Proverbs. And remember, Proverbs 5 is a sandwich. It has the no-no, but it has the big yes right in the middle. And the big yes is unlike any yes that I know of, except for perhaps in the Song of Solomon in the entire text of Scripture. Now, there's a couple of verses, and if you remember the sandwich, the the warning, the positive reinforcement, and then there's the bottom part, the bottom part of the sandwich. Uh, These are the verses uh, 20 through 23, where the Father says, why should you be infatuated with a loose woman? And why? He says, be infatuated with your spouse, not with a loose woman. And then he says in verse 24, and this is something I'd like to comment on. It says, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. When we were writing Christian Fatherhood, my co-author Jim Burnham said to me, Steve, this concept is really important because guys say like on a business trip, get themselves in a lot of trouble because they think because they're out of town and nobody's around they know, nobody sees what they're doing, and then they go get themselves in trouble. And uh, I really follow Jim's lead on this, and we included an even stronger verse that goes right along with Proverbs 5.21 about the eyes of the Lord can see everything. And the context is messing around with a loose woman it comes from Sirach 23:19 and says this his fear in other words the man who's foolishly running around with other women his fear is confined to the eyes of men 
and he does not realize that the eyes of the Lord are 10,000 times brighter than the sun. They look upon all the ways of men and perceive even the hidden places. There is no place on this planet that you can escape the eyes of the Lord 10,000 times brighter than the sun. And this is a very, and, and uh, I think Jim's uh, wisdom on this is well said, and it's just one of the things that you want to go in on the warning side, along with the positive and the goodness that comes from marriage. And there's another one that I need to comment on just due, some, due to some recent research and writing that I've done trying to help men uh, get free from the scourge of pornography habits and addiction. And I've just written a manual for Catholic small groups and how they can help men get over pornography. And going through this, it just really struck me how difficult it is to get over such a thing. And I don't want to discourage anyone because I want you to know it's fully possible to break a pornographic habit or even a pornographic addiction. It's fully possible but it's hard, and let me tell you why it's hard, straight from Proverbs chapter 5. It says this, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is caught in the toils of his sin. And, you know, in studying the very latest research on sexual addiction from the best of counselors and such like this, I came to see, you know, you know, this Proverbs was written probably 3,000 years ago, and it is so up to date. I'm talking about with the latest of the latest, because what happens, say like in pornography, but you can talk about any sexual immorality. This applies to any of it. Uh, it looks like some innocent dabbling, you know, a few mouse clips. Who, what, what's the big deal? Look at a couple of dirty pictures, few mouse clicks, no big deal. Well, what happens with sexual sin, it carries with it a powerful form of bondage to that sin, where it has the appearance of you have the liberty to enter into it, and you do have it, but once you start doing it, it's very easy for it to form into a habit, kind of, it's like chains that hold you. And it says he is caught in the toils of his sin. And this is where it is no light thing. Um, the homosexual community wants your children to experiment because just by experimenting, they can get hooked. The pornographers want you to experiment. Any kind of sexual sin wants you to experiment because once you start, it is tough to stop. And it's the easiest not to start. And that's another warning that we have from the book of Proverbs. And just remember, it has the positive encouragements about marriage, and it also has the stern warnings about not to go in the wrong direction. I just need to mention too, because there's some very dangerous voices going on in the church today, and I'd say both Protestant and Catholic churches, um, saying that, you know, it, it's really okay. Uh, God is okay with whatever form of immorality you like to engage in. And, and this is nothing new. And don't get discouraged. Uh, you know, the, uh, the church isn't imploding because there's some renegade saying this. Because listen to what happened in the first century 
And these are the words of our first pope, St. Peter, from his second epistle, chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. He says, for uttering loud boast of folly. They didn't have microphones back then, but they really did broadcast this. They entice with licentious passions the flesh of men. They promise them freedom, liberty, right? But they themselves are slaves of corruption, for whatever overcomes a man, to that he is enslaved. So repeating a thousand years after Proverbs, St. Peter is warning that even in the church, people are saying, you can be free to engage in sexual sin. You know, God's okay with this. And they don't realize that you become slaves of corruption. And even those who have fallen into corruption, I will want to emphasize Jesus Christ can liberate you and there's ways to get free of that. But it's tough because these the punishment of immorality has chains wrapped around with it. But I want to go back to the positive. And I'd like to end this series in the book of Proverbs with the best, the strongest, and the most comprehensive passage in the entire Bible promoting a positive and solid marriage culture. And that is in Proverbs chapter 31. And again, I've already mentioned the first verse in starting with Proverbs 31.10, but it's worth repeating. A good wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. Now, I need to repeat again because you can go into a Christian bookstore and you can ask for books on the Proverbs 31 wife, and they'll take you to the women's section with all kinds of resources and studies in Proverbs 31 for women. And that's great. Uh, Women, both hoping to be married, preparing to be married, engaged to be married, or already married. Proverbs 31 is a great chapter. But the original intent is for young men. This is a mother's instruction to her son. So you see, mom and dad are double teaming here. Proverbs chapter 5 was the instruction from dad, and Proverbs 31 is the instruction from mom. And there's quite honestly nothing quite like this, especially in the Old Testament. And let me tell you why. The Hebrew language is a very limited language, very limited vocabulary. And believe me, if you're in seminary, you are grateful for that because it's hard enough as it is to read backwards. But it has a very limited vocabulary. So they do certain things with the words in order to have like superlatives or to bring emphasis. For instance, I've already referred a few moments ago to the Song of Solomon, the book of the Bible, or called Song of Songs. And it's just basically saying Song of Songs. It's using the word and repeating it. It's the Hebrew way of saying this is the very best song. It's the love song. Or in Isaiah 6, which is basically repeated in every Catholic Mass, where the cherubim and seraphim are proclaiming holy, holy, holy. That's the sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. Well, we would maybe say in English, uh, God is holy in the highest or something like that, but the triple repetition of holy is the most grandiose way, you could say, in this simple language that God is holy beyond measure. 
Now we come to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, in Hebrew, there are 22 verses, and each verse starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in other words, this is in Hebrew, an A to Z picture of an ideal wife. And it's again, this is a mother instructing her son. This is the kind of woman, son, you really want. And there's a lot of phony pictures of women out there that are bombarding young men in the media. And so here's a mother very wisely, and as mothers need to do today, drawing this ideal picture. And I must confess that I entirely plagiarized the idea for my two books, the ABCs of Choosing a Good Wife and the ABCs of Choosing a Good Husband, straight from this chapter. Uh, what this mom did here is just took A, and then she said something. That's a verse. And then next, beta, you know, right after that. Well, Beth, I should say. Beta is Greek. So, what we are doing here is looking at an ideal picture using a tool in the Hebrew language to basically expand what an ideal wife looks like. Just mention a few things in here. A good wife who can find the heart of her husband trust in her, and he will have no lack of grain. One of the things you're going to see here, she is economically a busy bee, very industrious, and yet it's home-centered. Um, today, we have women working, but it's workplace-centric, and she's very home-centric. And very interesting, now again, the context here is 3,000 years old, but it's amazing in modern culture with the internet and being able to work from home and internet-type uh, home-based businesses and being able to do so much from anywhere, even on your phone. Um, you know, a lot of the concepts here of being home-centric could take place. And when it says he trusts in her, he will have no lack of gain. Very often, the finances for the family um, were put in the wife's hands. She was trying to multiply those. And then it says, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She supports her husband. She's that positive support. And um, I'll just interject this. <laughs> I mean, this isn't in the text. But, you know, you go marry some beauty queen without any virtue within, and your life will be miserable, you know, and can undermine you as a young man versus a woman of virtue does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Um, you, she could make a uh, wool garment, and I think if I remember right, one commentary said that it would be worth two months' worth of wages. And then making one out of flax would be worth a half month's worth of wages. And this is just a portion of what she's doing. So as again, she's a very busy bee, very, we would call this a, a home or a cottage industry, but she's out and about and says she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. In other words, she's going organic, we would say today. She wants the best of the healthy and uh, food and provision for her family. Uh, she's definitely not lazy, verse 15. 
She rises uh, while it's still night, provides food for her household and tasks for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. She's in real estate. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Uh, she goes on and on. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor. Um, I have a man that I've done a recording with here about courtship, and one of the reasons he picked his wife was he saw that she had an unusually strong concern for the poor. She was a charitable woman, and that virtue knew that she was, he was a Christian man. That virtue knew, uh, made him know that she was the one for him. Uh, it goes on, it says, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And uh, young people and husbands, listen to verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, this second to last verse in Proverbs goes right back to the beginning. If you remember in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, basically the theme of the book said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And by fear, we don't mean being scared of God, but this profound reverence for God, this uh, deeply held faith for God is affecting this godly woman in every dimension of her family life and her business life and her whole outlook on life. And here's what I would like to leave you with from the entire book of Proverbs is this woman is basically presented to us as the type of woman who is incarnating Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord. And she has wisdom for her family life. Um, and so often we treat our faith as something we do on Sunday morning for an hour, and then we leave the sanctuary and go about our business. And that's not the Catholic faith. That wasn't the Jewish faith. Uh, the Proverbs 31 ends with this godly portrait of a virtuous woman who fears and reverences God, who doesn't leave her faith in the sanctuary, but she takes it home, and she takes it with her everywhere she goes. And that's the message of the book of Proverbs, is to gain wisdom from God, gain grace from a relationship with God. But the key is, don't leave it at church. Take it home with you. That's the message of the book of Proverbs. You've been listening to episode 114 of Faith and Family. I'm your host, Steve Wood. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net.